Hello and welcome to season four of Mouthwash, fresh chat that leaves you feeling more confident with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TVD Conference. The theme this season is the real future of work. What's really going on with the world of work under the hood? What's changing? What's not being said? We're checking assumptions, checking in on ourselves and also the future. I spoke with an amazing array of people from Dan Pink to Harvard University professors, TikTok superstars, data specialists and generational experts, all live on Twitter spaces. What follows is a recording of that space, so it's more conference call than podcast booth. Sponsors are incredibly important to me, and I am proud to say Ecology are back, and they planted a tree for every live listener we had. We're over 15,000 trees in the TBD forest now, and you can start planting your own over at ecology.com. That's spelled E-C-O-L-O-G-I dot com. Workplace by Meta also came on board this season. Their familiar features help everyone work together in new ways and whatever you bring to work to help you be you, Workplace celebrates it. To make your place of work a great place to work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. Check it out. It's very, very cool indeed. Make sure you never miss a moment of Mouthwash by signing up for the newsletter over at mouthwashshow.com. And you can also get a text alert over at mouthwash.norby.live. Very handy for busy people. Check out all those links in the description too. As with all good podcasts, please share it on a network you trust and leave us a review. It really does make a difference. Please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to season four of Mouthwash. Fresh chat that leaves you feeling confident with me, your host, Paul Armstrong, creator and curator of TBD Conference. That's the conference attendees say that like Ted without bullshit. We're flipping it up this season. We're live Tuesdays through Thursday. You get the same amount of mouthwash, don't worry, just spread over the middle of the week. It's a reflection of the times and the changing world of work, which is our theme for this season of Mouthwash, the real future of work. This season, we're exploring what's working, what's not. We're checking assumptions, checking in on ourselves and also the future. I want to know what's really going on under the surface, what, what's going uh, to stay, what's going to leave, and how we're going to get there. I have an amazing cohort of people joined me this season from the multiple best-selling authors, Dan Pink, Gretchen Rubin, to brand new startups who are creating models for the metaverse, which you're going to hear about today. I'm also discussing the future with experts from Harvard University, behavioral psychologists to TikTok superstars. You can check out the full lineup, previous episodes on a podcast thing of your choice, but also nip over to the Mouthwash website, mouthwashshow.com. Uh, I'm proud to say that we're again sponsored this season, this time by the clever folks over at Workplace by Meta. Whatever you bring to help you be you, Workplace celebrates it. Their familiar features help everyone work together in new ways. To make your place of work a great place of work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. That's workplace.com forward slash human. Check it out. It's very cool indeed. Um, Ecology, we're also back to plant a tree for every live listener in the TBD forest. We're over 15,000 trees strong at the moment. If you're looking to reduce your all your business's carbon footprint, head over to ecology.com and you can start planting your forest today. And they spell it funkily because obviously they're a cool startup. It's ecologi.com. Ecologi.com. Okay, uh, now for the people in the space, please share it. Uh, it's time to do a good thing for the world. Click the round blue, blue plus button in the bottom right hand side of your screen. Tell the world you found something good. Everyone you get into the space means another tree in the world. And I think you'll agree that's no bad thing. If you want to ask a question as well, just DM me or use the mouthwash show uh, hashtag and I'll pick it up from there as well. If you click the blue hashtag in the top of the uh, screen, you won't even have to type it in. It's very handy. Joining me tonight from none other than Rottingham in the Netherlands is Esther O'Callaghan, CEO and founder of Hundo Careers. Their mission is lofty it, uh, to end global youth employment, unemployment, and they're going to do it uh, with Web3 and the metaverse. 
Esther is part of the first all-female decentralised finance delegation to the European Parliament. And she's got over 20 years of experience across UK government, local authorities, the arts, cultures, music and third sectors. She's also a DJ producer. She owns a specialist vinyl store in Manchester and is an avid traveller, not just for work. Um, I only met Esther recently when she joined the Global uh, Tech Advocates Future of Work board that I'm also on. I was impressed by uh, her insights and Hundo, as soon as I heard what they were doing and sort of Googled it a bit while we were on the call, I had to ask uh, her on this season of mouthwash it just sort of made sense um okay welcome to mouthwash esther what did i miss out of your bio i, I probably didn't miss anything um, i don't have a record shop in manchester anymore though that was the only thing i was like that's what happened to it well it went online well, um, yeah, um... <laughs> that's the way to go oh i love it excellent um what was the first thing you thought of when you woke up today um i honestly i woke up and i was like oh my god it's only thursday <laughs> And why is it so busy? Tell us what you're busy doing at the moment. So we um, obviously we've now built a world's first learn to earn platform campus for young people uh, to upskill for the future of work in Web3, Metaverse and beyond that. Um, we obviously, um, as we met on um, Global Tech Advocates Future of Work, it's, I'm fascinated by what the future of work will look like um, and, and how fast it's shifting. So, uh, so yeah, so we're right in the um, throes of user testing uh, getting the beta live um, investment round um, tokenomics so it's yeah it, it's it's all go all go couple of meetings a day it sounds like excellent um <laughs> we'll talk a bit more i want to talk i want to go through exactly a lot of the things you just said because you yeah. put a lot of words together and some people will go oh yeah of course that sounds great other people will be like what's she doing yeah so i definitely want to sort of you know elongate what we just sort of talked about yeah. um let's let's stay meta for a sec um personally or professionally speaking what's been your biggest learning over the last two or three years Starting to wrap my head around uh, coming, you know, coming from a complete non-technical background, uh, starting to wrap my head around the massive potential of the shift in the kind of fundamental uh, tech that underpins Web3 um, and, and, and Metaverse, you know, which is different. And then sort of watching the, the kind of the know, battle royale um, that, that's probably going to occur uh, between the incumbent Web2 companies um, and the sort of uh, fight for, you know, very centralised uh, metaverse, you know, metaverse spaces and the open metaverse, which is uh, much more obviously where my heart lives. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I want to talk all about all of that as well. The big boys, little people that are you know, fighting where it's all going to go and that sort of mm. stuff as well. Um, two main areas, metaverse in general, then let's talk about Hundo slash the future. Mm. I think that's probably a, a good way to sort of like chart. So let's start simple, the metaverse. <laughs> it's a huge <laughs> concept, been around for decades, but recently obviously been given a uh, new meaning, if that's the right word, because meta are spending billions of dollars in the area. Um, yeah. is, is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. Um, what are the characteristics of the metaverse that you think are important for everyone to get to grips with? So why is it not just another virtual world? It's a super valid. It's a super valid point. I think the difference um, for me is it, I, I probably sound like a broken record, but it's kind of going. It's what it's what lies underneath it, you know, in terms of the infrastructure. Um, and for me, uh, we we look constantly um, in terms of like what what does the future look like? A lot of what's being built at the moment is very. It's kind of taking uh, real world spaces and sort of replicating them. And I think that actually, when you look at um, 
environments, you know, and, and metaverses, when you look at, you know, Fluff World and its manifesto, you know, and some of the really interesting utility and community that sits behind um, some of these platforms, you know, like Decentraland mm. um, and, and the kind of the, the community that powers it. Um, that's the bit that I find really interesting and different because the difference for me is going, it's not about turning up in a, in a virtual environment, you know, with a headset on and, you know, in a haptic suit. Um, that is one, you know, kind of AR, VR is, is one element um, of that, but it's more about what does, you know, what do our digital twins look like? You know, we're on a call at the moment um, and we're using avatars, you know, and profile pictures. Um, and, and that idea what does that, that say had... about both of us? I think it's interesting because, um, I mean, it's classic. I was asked to speak uh, today with actually Technordics um, with Jeanette. Um, oh, so yeah. one of the old, yeah, one of the other global tech advocate community um, with some female founders, you know, about fundraising and, you know, that journey. Um, and the picture of me is like I'm sat at my desk and I've got no makeup on and I'm, you know, in, and I'm tired. <laughs> and actually the, the idea of being able to turn up online as your, um, you know, digital twin, uh, looking like slightly less, you know, fatigued is um, is actually quite appealing. And, and that's very superficial. Um, what I have become fascinated by is um, things like non-fungible intelligence, the idea mm. that our cross-platform avatars can be imbued with AI machine learning. So while we're all sat here, um, instead of all the emails piling up and the direct debits that need to be sorted and all the boring, you know, life admin, the idea that we can almost make ourselves into meta-humans um, and be able to, you know, transact and interact online, I just find it really fascinating. It is riddled with issues, you know, in the, in the same way that, that Web2 is. Um, but I think there is something really, really interesting about how we will start to live, work, um, interact with each other. Um, and who's to say that it has to be as we are to our best mate? You know, we, we all, we, in many ways, we all have avatars already. You know, somebody's LinkedIn profile isn't necessarily, or the way they describe themselves isn't necessarily the same as on Twitter or a dating app or Facebook or whatever else. Um, and I just see it as a kind of a continuation of that, um, but with potentially so much more power and, and usefulness. Mm. It certainly feels like another opportunity to sort of put a self out there. I mm. remember talking with Tracy um, Follows, the futurist, about um, uh, metaverses when I sort of when they first started getting cool again, like a couple of years ago. Mm. And because uh, she's just put the book out, obviously, Future of You, um, a great book just about like digital identity and how it can fracture minds, but also how it can soothe them. And so mm. I, I definitely sort of see the see the value in it. Um, yeah. I just hope I'm not put on this earth to do the direct debit boring bit, but my avatar's having fun in in, in metaverse. That's the thing that's we'll find out. Um, <laughs> but it's also yeah, I was mm. going to say as well, Paul. It's quite use. You know, for me, a lot of the use cases that I see. You know, we're talking to a startup few days ago and they're looking at using um AR, you know, nature you know in ar headsets to mm. reduce the number of people who are terrified of going to the dentist you know um and, and it's reducing you know sort of no shows by about 50 percent um so you know the, the, there is a whole i think for me it's more about going rather than i think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to define it um, and i think the whole point of of decentralization and kind of community builds is, is exactly the idea that you don't have to um right now yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's interesting, I think, because we've had Second Life. Um, it's been around for years and the data um, that we're seeing seems to suggest that Meta's sort of total audience right now is what Second Life adds each month. 
So it's still interesting early days, but obviously, yeah. you know, the numbers are being thrown around as always, you know, people are successful, you know, if with a big asterisk and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But do you think it's going to explode in like, say, two or three years? Or do you think it's going to be a slow burn and it's more like a decade? That's the big question that I get asked all the time by people. And I uh, personally, decades, but I'm interested in what you think. I think it's both, depending on what you're looking at. So a lot of the um infrastructure you know that exists and a lot of um the, the sort of the foundations that are being built are kind of already here now yeah you know, blockchain has been around <laughs> for a while <laughs> um and i think that's the difference i think there will be um well what you're seeing now i, I would consider to be a partial explosion you know with things like Superworld, sandbox yeah. essentially you know all of that side of it and then you've all you've obviously got the big players um starting to move into the space you know you've had fortnite and unreal engine for you know i don't even know how long they've been around you know a while um so so i think it's it's kind of that transitional phase where what i'm seeing though certainly is a lot of the um a lot of the technology is coming on really rapidly now um and that needs to happen because to improve the user experience um even even something as simple as a public wallet address is so many letters numbers you know digits it's like you need yeah. you need the equivalent of a web3 bitly link <laughs> um you know to be able to, you know to be able to so so what i'm seeing is a lot of the um, the kind of the UX UI is starting to improve so that it can become um, more attractive, more usable to a mainstream audience because it still feels very, it almost like, you know, there's some parts of it that still feel to me a bit like an AOL CD, you know, yeah. <laughs> so load up. So, and that's just because of, that's just because of where we are at in the development, you know, in, in the time, but the pace is, um, I think it will be um, less, I think it will be within a decade. Interesting. Yeah. What do you think about um, Meta sort of throwing down the gauntlet with their offering an intent video that sort of, you know, came out all bells and whistles and I think to a certain degree frightened a few people? Um, do you think it helped or hindered the multiverse and sort of how quickly it's going to get there? It certainly seems to have every agency and brands uh, saying the word metaverse, hiring people, consultants and that sort of stuff. But a lot of them have never done this stuff before, don't know what it is, might know how to describe it, certainly haven't done what you've done and actually mm. get your hands dirty and do, done all that sort of stuff mm. do, do you think the big people or the big big players out there are, are sort of hurting the industry and it needs to be more organic or can the, can both exist i think it's the age-old centralization decentralization argument neither is a perfect system mm. it's why successive governments centralize and then devolve and then centralize again and it's kind of going it's not one or the other and i think that you know like we were saying earlier the kind of the closed metaverses which is the sort of the incumbents um are building you know versus the open metaverse they can coexist um and people will make people will make choices um i think what web3 offers is an alternative if you don't want um you know, a very small number of, of shareholders to make billions using mm. your data, um, you have an alternative for the first time um, with self-sovereign data, you know, data unions where you can anonymize and monetize your own data. Those are some of the good bits um, that I see um, coming through. And it's more about giving people a viable alternative, I suppose, um, to what's there at the moment in the same way that, you know, you could argue, you know, WhatsApp, you know, versus Signal. Yeah. 
There's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I really like the video that Meta released a few months ago, which mm. sort of like took it back down to sort of, oh, here's how you can actually do these sort of things. And yeah. I wish in some respects they'd forgotten about the mission to basically convert people and, you know, create mm. weird stuff and that sort of thing. And instead just having two people talking about like, oh, yeah, should we have a meeting? OK, great. Let's let's design the room or just a person designing the room and just saying the words add a beach and it adds a beach, you know, and that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. It just felt really sort of um, nice, fluffy. Obviously, it's not going to all be that, but it definitely felt like, oh, that's something I can get behind. That's really interesting, you know, and, and I can see the sort of consumer arc that they're sort of going on. Um, it was pretty panned when they did the release, both of them, actually. A lot of people sort of said it's, you know, that's that's the PR version of it. You, that's You've told us what you want to go for, you know. Mm. Um, but it's interesting. I think when, um, well, do you think that's the future? Do you think that it'll be more brand creating worlds or walled gardens? I, I feel I, I feel like I'm sound like I'm sitting on a fence, but I just think it will be both. <laughs> um, hey, Switzerland's fine, you know. Yeah, means I, you don't get proved wrong. You don't have to put your neck out on things, but you know I that's fine. Yeah, I think it's more um, for me. The you asked earlier about whether it helped or hindered. It certainly put the word metaverse into common parlance. <laughs> yeah, um, which obviously when you are in the space as a builder, you know, and a creator, um, that's actually hugely beneficial because, you know, two, three, well, three years ago now, when I was sort of saying to my co-founder, like, Piers, the metaverse is coming and going to miss it. <laughs> and he's looking at me going like, what are you talking about? Literally, we announced, you know, our seed round um, two weeks after Facebook, you know, kind of rebranded to Meta. Um, hugely, hugely helpful. Um, probably the most useful thing that Facebook's ever done for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're useful for some things, right? No, they are. They're very good. I like them. Um, uh, speaking of wall gardens, uh, you know, let's let's call them what they are. Um, let's talk interoperability for a sec. That's an important part, I think. Um, these platforms currently have no reason to work together until the EU mm -hmm. or governments like them force them to, yeah. um, which we are seeing happen in other areas of the business. So it's not within in the realms of impossibility. It won't. It certainly won't launch like that that's what mm -hmm. i think most people can agree um that's not a great customer experience is it when we might sort of have to create multiple accounts avatars etc we're already doing that to some degree and there are some um companies out there that are trying to make identity simpler for a lot of people mm -hmm. uh ready player one is a good one not just a movie um yeah but when do you think we'll actually see sort of proper interoperability between multiverses or do you again is that like we never will I think the avatar, um, you know, example is a good one because we're partnered with Ready Player Me. Uh, that, that's our avatar partner, and they are cross-platform, um, so they can be used in multiple worlds. You know, again, non-fungible labs um, out in New Zealand. You know, with Fluff World is only one of their, you know, many things they're looking at. How, um, you know, different. You know, I, I spoke at one of their events at South by. Uh, southwest in March um, and you had a whole range of avatars uh, you know from all over the place so I think that it will be uh, I think like some things it's, it can if it's sort of consumer demand in the end um, if people you know want the ability uh, to have interoperability um, with, you know with, with their with their assets with their wallets all of that then I think there may be some market forces that kind of um, determine that, that has to happen mm. um, but I think there will be I think there will still be this trade-off um, between the kind of the closed and open um, spaces um, because it, there's no value um, to, to, a, to a kind of a Web2 incumbent that is moving into this space to allow people to kind of um, share, move, uh, redirect their data and ownership. So I think that's where you'll see some of the friction. And I guess as well, there's sort of issues with being too open, right? You know, people transient move through, they might take the value that they're getting and move on. But ultimately, I guess it's up to whoever's creating those worlds to make something that's either valuable to people, it makes them money or gets them value in some other way, or it's sort of... Um, 
you know, it, it just exists if, in essence, maybe to be maybe be the um, portal to other places, if that makes sense. So the value comes from curation. But again, these things all cost money and sort of figuring out how to sort of make it. What are the new models? Um, don't go into Hundo yet, but what are the new mm. models that is sort of like springing up in Web3 that's giving you um, cause for optimism, concern, all of it? So I'm quite fascinated um, at the moment by um, the, the sort of the, the power of um, DAOs mm -hmm. um, because um, there's so much within that <laughs> um, that's useful um, when you look at more community-led, community-driven um, builds um, and what the opportunities for um, even analogue creators, you know, so artists um, who are able to um, start to port their work um and, and do more in the spaces so i think there's yeah um but but i think particularly looking at how do decentralized communities um how do they operate um how do they drive value um and of course you need to see a bit unfortunately um a thinning of the herd because like all nascent emerging spaces um not everybody is a good actor yeah i, I want to talk about that a little bit later but let's mm -hmm. um stay for a moment just on the experience of what it's sort mm -hmm. of going to be um arguably um the metaverse is best experience using virtual reality headsets it's not the only way in some respects that's lucky because there's only and i'm using finger wiggles here about 40 to 60 million vr headsets in the world that's per recent data um are, are we just building another playground for the rich western parts of the world or how do we make sure that the metaverse is open and accessible for all is it going to be mobile first or or how do we you know ensure that it isn't just you know the, the same old people doing the same old thing it's a conversation that i'm having with the un <laughs> um at the moment Yay! because um of next week um actually um and it's it, it's an ongoing conversation because with the best will in the world um unless you you can build um the, the best kind of metaverse or you know virtual world or whatever you want to call it um if there is no wi-fi if there is no access to technology um then, yeah. then you can't achieve scalable you know mainstream adoption and therefore um it, it stays within the uh, confines of um re the relatively um privileged few um but i see huge potential um in the ability for uh, situations where um people a bit like you know back to the kind of future of work scenario where people can't travel necessarily it's like how can you deploy not just the um uh, not just the spaces but the technology and the access um that people need um and that's where i think it gets really interesting because that's beyond um that's talking about uh, actual physical infrastructure um not just not just kind of digital mm. it's interesting because I, I on the one hand i'm reading the reports uh that accenture is going to put all of their people their first day in the metaverse which is mm. pr prable craziness but there you go <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be great, but it does highlight the fact that, yes, you can actually probably train someone a bit better in some roles, not all of them, uh, in VR. Like you mentioned earlier, it's great mm -hmm. for breaking down biases and that sort of stuff. So it could be really good for like training and helping people sort of get along with one another, which is another yeah. theme of this season. Um, I, I do have a lot of uh hope for it if that makes sense in that sort mm. of area right now though we're, we're seeing the usual players coke diageo the big people big money pouring stuff in and making experiences and other finger wiggles i use um but do you think um brands should build mobile first metaverse at the moment or stay strong to the full immersive experience then their maximum audience is 40 to 60 million so is, is it really are they just building this stuff for the youtube video that happens afterwards I think it's the age-old argument about, you know, if you, if you spoke to someone 20 years ago uh, about what you would be able to do on a smartphone, 
now um it would have been just like that's that's never going to happen you know we're never going to see that um the, the kind of the amount of power um you know that you, that you can that you have um in in, in a tiny you know relatively tiny device so i kind of look mm. at ar vr in a not dissimilar way i think again it, it it's almost like the hardware equivalent of the ui ux experience like no one no one i know wants to walk around with a headset all day like um so you know when you when you see things like um you know google glasses or you know whatever's coming on i think some of the um some of the functionality of the hardware that is in existence and the affordability of it and then the kind of the mainstream of it but you always see this um with with, with emerging tech um it, it tends to start with um unfortunately you know with with people who can afford it um but i think making sure that it's mainstream um is what's really important and certainly when we look at um, the interoperability of our platform, um, it's very much about how can this work on, um, you know, not on the latest iPhone, you know, or the latest yeah. Android, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, speaking of devices, obviously there will be um, a slew of them out in the next 12 to 18 months, if the mm. analysts are correct. Um, they should be lighter, cheaper, you know, more interesting, some have said, but I, I can't see what they haven't sort of created the content for it mm. yet. Um Meta and Pals um, weren't banking on, uh, and I'm using my fingers to count here, a recession, inflation, mm. cost mm. of living crisis, major markets, shifts, or the war. So I'm intrigued to see what uh, the impact will be on growth, whether the metaverse is going to be just a mobile first experience for a lot, sort of whether that flips it around, or if, uh, you know, that really does impact sales and sort of slow it down. Uh, they will obviously be pilfered by the people who already have them and want the, the latest sort of upgrade so again nobody has those sort of numbers of how many are being ordered and built but i'm interested to sort of hear whether you think that's going to in, uh, increase a sort of another two years which is the amount they think the recession is going to last um in, impact people's metaverse strategies I think it will impact everybody's strategies, you know, you know, the metaverse in the middle of, a, you know, an unprecedented, you know, most overused word for the last couple of years. But, <laughs> you know, you're going from, you know, global pandemic into, um, you know, a war um, into, you know, recession, which which kind of, you know, the pandemic sort of covered, you know, over a little bit for a period of time. Um, I think what I would like to see uh, is much more um, collaboration with governments to see the opportunity and the potential um, of having alternative systems, decentralised systems, not as threatening, um, but as a necessary part of the way that we start to transition um, from the way that centralised finance and systems, you know, and globalised systems have worked. Um, if you, you, know, you can consider um, the energy um, impact um, in Europe. Mm. particularly so it's you know so yeah so so i don't think that it is a metaverse specific problem i think we are in for um yeah a very bumpy couple of years a world of hurt as it was described to me on the phone today and I was like that's great I'll see you soon <laughs> you know, so, yeah. um, so let, well, let's talk about that because you, you you introduced something interesting there which is obviously crypto's um what do you call it uh interesting recently very very turbulent ride and that sort mm. of stuff the largest issue seems to be around crypto and that most metaverse experiences require it aka please kill the environment and you get a nice, fun experience and that sort of stuff, or different um, things. And obviously, you can uh, offset carbon uh, with companies like Ecology.com, spelt with an I. Um, but it, that doesn't stop like hucksters and nefarious elements pushing crypto incredibly hard before governments attempt to legalise it. There are mm. you know, green shoots from the EU, from the US. 
um, companies, uh, companies, countries like Japan have said, mm. no, thanks. We're not there yet. And that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, there was a huge crash recently, obviously, that wiped out some people's life savings. What are your yeah. thoughts around that? Will crypto always be a little wild westy or would it lose some of the opportunity if and when governments regulate it? It's, it's potentially a controversial view, um, but what concerns me is if people invest in anything um, in the hope that it will just exponentially rise, um, yeah. because that is exactly how the last global crash happened. Um, you know, exponential perpetual growth is a centralised finance um, rabbit hole. <laughs> um, and so for me, it's kind of going... There is an inevitability um, that, you know, for individual lives who people who have invested their life savings um, and I can't for the life of me think of why people do that, you know, um, in that kind of hope um, for something. And it's, it's those people who suffer the most. And that's what makes it so awful. Um, you know, someone having 2.2 billion wipes off of their 4.5 billion, you know, pound fortune. It, it, it's it's just numbers on a screen, um, mm. and I think actually it's why I feel very strongly about the ethical moral obligations that that, that sit outside of, of regulation, you know, um, but but much more around um, stronger communities um, within the space um, and making sure that there are some better protections and the, and also that people. You know, retail investors are universally known to lose. Is it something like 74, 75% lose their money? Yeah. Um, you will see that come across into the crypto space. And, and last week is probably one of the worst, you know, sort of live examples of that. Um, because the markets are not kind <laughs> to people, um, you know. And so it, and, and, and the lack of education, the lack of financial literacy um, that sits outside of just crypto literacy um, is a huge, huge problem. Um, and I think that's really, um, you know, people being better armed, better informed um, and with some more protections, you know, a lot of the players in the space, how is it possible for somebody to put their entire life savings into one asset? That shouldn't be possible to happen. Yeah, it definitely feels, um, I, I think it was, uh, the newsroom. That was the show that I watched when I first got um, exposed to the theory mm. of the great, the greater fool. And I've read up on it since, and it's absolutely fascinating. And I urge you to do it if you haven't done it. And essentially, it's that all economics is sort of based on this theory that you will invest in something because there's always somebody else that is the greater fool and that you will um, benefit from. Mm. And um, grossly simplifying it, you know, somebody worked their whole life to do it. But um, it's it's a very interesting sort of thing. And as soon as you read it, you start going it's the housing market, it's crypto, it's everything that we're sort of like working on. So I'm fascinated from a Web3 perspective mm -hmm. of seeing like, what can we create from scratch, knowing everything we've known and what we do? And I've just seen a load of white guys who are getting super rich off of crypto and just, you know, sort of ruining it for everyone to sort of start with. And I wonder if we can sort of pull it back or whether the governments will come in and sort of ruin the sort of um, the magic of it a little bit and that sort of thing. That's my interest, but I don't know. Maybe for another time, but you can maybe pepper it into the other question. But let's talk about Hundo, um, you know, the 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 uh, beyond the mission, I think. Um, why did you set it up uh, and sort of what, what are its goals behind it? Do you have, you know, KPIs that you're working of? Because you could have just set up a company and made bazillions training people, but you're doing it in a very specific way, right? <laughs> so obviously my background, um, two decades of working in and around youth issues, um, youth unemployment being usually the direct um, net result of child poverty um, in, in all of its forms. Um, access to opportunity, um, where you come from, can completely define um, where you go. Um, but then something very interesting happened um, 
during COVID, um, which is young people started losing their jobs at three to five times the rate of every other age group. And they were already in the kind of zero hours contract low pay. So they didn't get furloughed. Um, they just um, lost their jobs. Um, and, and obviously that means that they very quickly um, lose their homes, you know, um, and get into debt and all sorts of other awful things. But at the same time, in the hiring market, um, there were software engineer jobs, you know, $150,000 a year. And when we worked with the UK government on the Kickstart scheme, um, a huge number of the young people that were supported through it um, were graduates with degrees. And I had to really uh, look hard at my own um, view uh, because I left school when I was 16, uh, grew up um, in extreme poverty and had to go to work. So I always thought that if you had a degree, you were probably, you know, you were kind of probably on your way. Um, set, for li- set for life. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I really had to roll back from that, you know. So, um, and I think now you know, if you are a young person, you are sort of, you know, doubly disadvantaged at a time of, um, you know, as we said, you know, cost of living, inflation, you know, I was earning £4.50 an hour on an entry level job in like 1997. Well, you know, it's £7.50 an hour now, like the maths don't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so for me, it was going, actually, um, here is this moment, moment in time, um, which I, I kind of imagine is how um, it must have felt you know, when when sort of Google, Facebook were still, you know, ideas in students' minds, <laughs> um, you know, and, and that's how I feel about the, you know, and Jaron Lanier, you know, and all, all, the, all those original um, guys were, were around. I imagine that's how it felt. It's like a very exciting time because it is full of possibility. Um, and the idea that actually that the, the breaking that kind of contingent hiring, you know, you go through education, you tip out at the end, you know, you get a job. Um, that just doesn't exist for young people really anymore. You know, even graduate programs um, are disappearing. So what is the alternative? And it's already been happening for a while um, with, you know, obviously look at TikTok influence, look at YouTubers. Um, a lot of parents think that these aren't real jobs. You know, it's go and get a real job. Um, and actually, that's what people used to say um, about DJs. <laughs> but you know and and so and so for me it's like going that that real shift you know where you we've got you know young young girl that we know she's got six hundred thousand followers on uh youtube monetized and her parents like go and finish you know go and do a law degree and it's that it's that real generational shift of like what is the future of work you know young people certainly you know that we that we know you know our insights is they know there isn't a job for life anymore. You know, why should mm. you be loyal to an employer that will hire and fire you, you know, that doesn't demonstrate meaningful, you know, genuine um, uh, diversity and inclusion when actually you can be a creator, you can be a builder, you can do all of these things. And the entry level roles are so much better paid than anything you can get now. And that's combined with the idea that obviously tech in some parts of the world is causing a huge loss of entry-level opportunities because of automation so what are those young people's um opportunities um and if you look at you know again some of the more social impact side that we look at is um in a refugee situation young people's education ends overnight if you can deploy Mm. the means with which to continue learning and earning at the same time um that's hugely powerful um so that's that's what we're you know we're, we're driven by the we're driven by the possibility of it. And and because actually, you know, the, the reality is there is 
you know, World Economic Forum, you know, stats, a billion new tech roles needed by 2030, not from 2030, by, well, that's like eight years away, um, give or take. And that's one in seven people on the planet. <laughs> um, so that, what do you do when you have um, traditional um, mandatory education that simply cannot keep pace with the change? You know, even if, Paul, I'm wrong and, and you know, it's not within a decade, even if it's two or three decades, you are still going to have to reskill two, three generations of teachers, um, yeah. educate parents, you know, kids, kids, you know, I've got an 18 year old, you know, he's digital native, he builds Minecrafts in, so, you know, sorry, servers in Minecraft, you know, so I've watched and observed this behavior, um, you know, kind of even in my own, um, in my own home. And it's like going, and he also has G COVID GCSEs, which aren't real because <laughs> he never sat any exams. You know, and it's going like, what, what does the, but at the same time, he's been earning, learning, you know, living online um, all through that time and has built so much better skills um, that he needs for work, um, whatever that work ultimately is, whether it's for himself or for someone else uh, or both, um, than, than education is able to provide anymore. And, and that's the biggest challenge um, that we are facing as a society because it has huge social consequences when a generation becomes really disenfranchised about their own future. Yeah, well, I'm the one you mentioned education there, and I think it's so important for the metaverse to get something right. Yeah. Where where you're you're uh, creating, it's not a university, but it sounds you know essentially a training school, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, is that fair? To, can I call it that? Is, does that offend you? It doesn't bend me at all. Is it? Okay, we, cool. yeah, we we call it campus because campus. You know, there you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> So for me, what I want to see is all of these incredibly smart people, mm. Scott Galloway, New York Stern, you know, um, Ariana Huffington, all of those people put to work for maybe like a week, a year to just update their section on the world's best university and it just be free and open. And you've got the Khan Academy and all of that sort of thing, but it's not super open. It's not super easy and it's not mm. updated as frequently as it should be. That is something that I can get behind for the metaverse. And if mm. somebody could get like into that i would be how do i work for you for free like how do we get that up and running because that would help <laughs> it would help billions of people wouldn't it you yeah. know we wouldn't have yeah. to learn about just western economics and we'd figure out like new things to sort of do but um anyway apart from my rant tell me um how are you doing it right what's the learn to earn platform that you're creating like break it down like i'm a toddler how does it work how do you make money how does it make money how do people make money so the platform is built on chain um so ethereum um is the layer one um polygon um, it's, a, it's a chain that we build on and what we are essentially replace it, it's basically going young people are stuck in mandatory education whether they want to be or not because the government says you have to be um, and the skills that are needed for the future of work are not being addressed fast enough. Um, and instead of going on about educators um, who are also stuck in a system, you know, where, where they're doing, you know, more paperwork than teaching these days, um, instead of having to go at them, because actually good teachers want their students to thrive and go on and live great lives, um, certainly ones I, I know. Um, what we're saying is while a young person is in school, college education, they can they can come onto campus um very simple web two. <laughs> um, it is not a metaverse. Um, you sign on, you know, with your email. Um, you know, pro create your profile. Um, you, um, it's an avatar-based um, system because we actually won an Innovate UK grant um, to test whether avatars um, help to remove and/or reduce hiring bias um, mm -hmm. compared to CVs and you know and photographs. And they do because 
unfortunately, even at an algorithmic level, um, if you have a, a foreign sounding name or unfortunately, you know, even in 2022, you know, a different colour to white skin, um, you are still massively, massively um, disadvantaged um, and, and you will go to the bottom of the queue. Um, and that and that's just a brutal reality um, of how the systems work at the moment. Mm. Um, and the avatars give um, it means that you you know you're kind of looking at um, a young person in a very different way. You're interacting with them in the first time, not you know not kind of with a two dimensional um, profile picture um, that allows you to make judgments, um, even if they're unconscious. <laughs> um, you know it, they're still biased. Um, so that worked really well. So we incorporated that into um, into campus and. We're replacing um, the CV uh, resume um, with a permanent on-chain NFT skills wallet, um, which is soul bound um, to the profile. And that means that that young person can develop um, skills over time. And it's done in, you know, think about the masterclass um, on YouTube. So it's done, mm -hmm. you know, 12 week boot camps. You don't need to do three year courses. Um, in digital marketing, um, you can get started much faster than that if the education is is kind of rapid, um, you know, much more practical, you know, based. Um, and most importantly, um, based around the skills that employers have in high demand. Um, so, you know, Solidity Developer, for example. And it means that young people can start to see um, if they come onto the platform, um, they will be able to um, see courses. Um, and they're run by um, kind of younger people. So, you know, some of our first masterclasses are delivered uh, with people like Crystal Lake, um, who's a TikTok influencer, Forbes 30 to 30, because she's actually the best person to talk to a young person about how she's gone on a journey mm. and what tools, skills, tips, you know, and tricks you need, um, rather than this really old school kind of classroom based learning. So it's much more dynamic, much more agile. Um, and the way that we uh, reward um, the learning is um, every young person will receive um, a, an allocation of our utility token, um, which is called Let's Go. Um, and it means that they can use that to stake against courses. Um, so, and so each time you go to a more advanced course, you unlock more rewards. Um, and it means that you're actually teaching young people financial literacy, crypto literacy in a safe space where they can't lose their money, um, but they can learn about how to spot the bad actors in the wider world when they go out there. Um, so that's the kind of, um, you know, that's the sort of the main premise of um, of what we're building at the moment. So how, who, do they pay for it in the beginning? Because obviously they need a wallet, so they need to get that all set up and, you know, money needs to go into it somehow. But how do you, how, does, how do you keep the lights on? Is it just through funding at the moment? What's the sort of business model -y type thing behind it? Yeah, so it's, it's very simply, it's a subscription-based model, but it's free for young people. Um, oh, so cool. 60, okay. Yeah, so 16, 24-year-olds, um, it's free. Um, and businesses and over 25s um, can pay, uh, will pay an annual subscription. Um, and for us, it's, you know, it's a simple metric. Um, the, the cost of a, you know, a bad hire on average for a company is about eighteen and a half thousand dollars per hire. Um, plus all the demotivation when, you know, people are coming in and out of businesses and all the disruption. Um, so what we're saying is break that, um, break that model um, because it's not effective and it's not working for either you or the young person or your bottom line and start to invest in advance in your future workforce um, who you know will be coming out of campus um, with the skills that you actually need um, and the ability to use the software and the platforms um, that your business uh, that your business needs because it's really interesting to me about how even some of the most exciting companies when it comes to their hiring um, they just revert to type 
um, and it's job boards and it's, um, you know, really, really deeply inefficient processes. Mm. Um, and young people aren't even really on there anymore because um, they really don't get what they need. Um, so for us, you know, kind of recoupling that education to employment experience, um, using skills uh, matching rather than um, all of the bias and all of the CV, you know, resume that doesn't really tell you anything about a young person who probably doesn't really have much experience. <laughs> you know, pretty much every every 18-year-old CV looks the same, whereas <laughs> a young person's NFT skills wallet on campus could be completed a, you know, a DAO community course, completed a Discord community manager course, um, you know, had a go at Solidity, decided that was, you know, not in a million years for them, went back and did something else because the ability to be agile in the future of work, to recession-proof yourself, um, is actually going to become much, much more important um, over the next decade, I would say. God, yes, so, so important. Um, God, you raised so much in there that I want to pick up on. Okay, um, so I really like that you're aiming to replace CVs and resumes with on-chain record, people achievement, makes a lot of sense. I feel it's more transparent, certainly going to inspire people to pad their CVs less when, you know, it's literally almost impossible to do that. Um, mm. Do you think uh, it'll go beyond what they learn with you, though? Will you be validating other learning that they've done so you can almost add stuff in, but it has to be validated? Yeah. Absolutely. And we're working, you know, we work very, very closely with education partners. Um, you know, as an example, I moved from the UK to um, the Netherlands and my British triathlon um, qualification, uh, coaching qualification and my sports therapy isn't really relevant over here. You know, I'd have to like reapply, you know, spend some money, you know, do that. So it's kind of going, if we're in this brave new world where people are going to be needing to move around, work remotely, you know, all of that, there needs to be a more coherent um, system um, to be able to incorporate the uh, the skills and the qualifications and certification um, that they already have. Um, so that's certainly something down the track. And we're not trying to build every single course. <laughs> um, it's much more about building an ecosystem um, where verified good providers of um, the education that is around the skills that are needed for the future of work, um, that they can kind of coexist on here as well. Um, so, you know, interacting with some of the other um, people in space, you know, partnering with Decentraland, partly, partnering with um, Ready Player Me, um, you know, that, that's how we see, um, that's how we see the future of, of campus. Yeah, I, I can see that as well. That makes a lot, a lot of sense doing that. My, my, uh, what was that? Was it a wildest dream? No, probably not a wildest dream. But my interest is sort of thinking like, just like um, all the top grad schools in America are mm. all, you know, pretty much you leave there knowing what job you're going to go into. Um, NYU Stern is obviously like, you know, Amazon's favourite pick of all the economists and that's the thing to go over there. But I see you as having like different people that will come in and sort of, uh, you know, try and pick people off if that makes sense for you know going into like proper jobs it, it feels a, a little bit cia and a little bit sort of like corporate america it's like the, the the future of their workforces could be coming from you which is quite interesting to sort of see if they can identify that early on god knows if that will happen and i hope it's with your permission um, but i think it's it's also about you know one of the big things for us is um the platform is about self-sovereign data um so there is a data union um so young people will be able to choose um, whether to anonymize and monetize their own data. Um, and that's the kind of, you know, that's how you start to move away from. It's quite interesting as well because, um, you know, a Gen Z community, um, if you're talking about substantive numbers, you know, and it's our ambition to have, you know, 10 million users on the platform by 2025, um, they will self-regulate against the bad actors. Mm. Um, and they're not, they don't put up with it. So it's actually, um, I think it's, I think, 
I think in many ways, Paul, it's like we should do this again in three years' time because I don't think what we build now will look anything like it does in the future um, because it needs to remain agile and responsive to what is actually happening. Um, and, and obviously for us, we're building it beyond Web3. It's looking at space tech, you know, green tech. It's yeah. sort of like all of the emerging places and spaces where there is well-paid opportunities um which you know is where systems have always failed traditionally you know when when miners in sheffield lost their jobs because of pit closures they were bright intelligent men who could have been reskilled retrained and they just weren't yeah. um, and that's where you start to see intergenerational deprivation poverty communities that are decimated when work disappears you know some of the big american you know cities detroit you know all of that um there is a way to continue lifelong learning um, that enables people to um, yeah to have to have the opportunity um, as as markets ebb and flow and as jobs you know rise and, and fall. Um, it's just having to break that mindset that there is a job for life anymore, a pension at the end of it. You know, young people already know that. It's just kind of getting employers around that as well. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in a way, you are sort of like rocking the economist tree of saying, here's money, here's how it goes. You've, mm. you're, you're sort of playing in the very sort of like fun sandbox, to use a phrase that's also a company. Um, mm. it, 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 there is fear on both sides, isn't it? That yeah. one will crush the other. Yeah. And I think there needs to be almost somebody to bridge that gap. And I kind of see you guys being that, but also an interesting sort of movement is happening regardless of both of you, that um, everyone's trying to sort of get a little bit up on each other, but also at the same time, you know, sniffing each other, if that makes sense as well. Um, I've really got to work on my metaphors. That's what I've learned this season as well. Uh, that's one thing. Sorry, I apologise for that. It's a horrible image to put in everyone's head on a Thursday night. Um, talk to me about the challenges that you are facing at the moment, working in such a new area or with such a new area. It's really more about, um, it, it feels like not a new area for me. Uh, I know it sounds strange to say, but um uh, you know we, we always come back to you know sort of first principles people will always need skills and they'll always need um paid work of some description um so you know our platform is um very much accessible um on you know exactly what we we're talking about before you know device you, you don't have to have the latest smartphone to access campus um you know you don't have to set up a, a wallet um to get started that all kind of comes later so for us it's much more about getting um a much more mainstream audience um comfortable and you know having some understanding of what they can do in the space um so i worry a bit less about that um as a challenge you know the bigger challenges for us um is around um it, it is, is basically around the problem that we set out to solve you know it's not getting better for young people so how fast um can we get this solution out there um in a safe way you know in a in a, in a good way um so that young people can actually start to um build and design their own future um, instead of in, in, yeah, in, instead of being sort of faced with um, a situation not of their making and not something that they can control, um, so we're very much more driven by um, driven by that. And the technology, in many ways, um, is, is simply an enabler um, of solving the social problem. Mm. Talk to me a bit about moderation. You mentioned obviously the um, uh, people in it will self moderate and that sort of thing. That's what everyone says until it goes wrong so tell me like what are your other things that you're putting in place there you're not building a sort of virtual world for people to sort of run around in and that sort of stuff it's essentially a classroom but you know people are bad sometimes and they misbehave and that sort of stuff how are you going to be you know what what other things are you thinking of 
Yeah, there's a super valid question. Um, and uh, we are by no means um, uh, just sort of self-moderating. Um, so obviously, you know, a huge, as we, you know, we're, we're very, very early stage at the moment and we are in closed beta. Um, so we built the um, campus itself with about 200 gaming students. Um, so it's been, it's not something that we've built and designed and then just handed to young people. Um, they've been actively involved in shaping it. Brilliant. I think that's really important. Um with the best will in the world, you know, one of the reasons that I left um, one of the big platforms, um, you know, they won't mention is is because of the sheer number of child trafficking um, that was enabled to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I've worked in teenage self-harm, young male suicide. I have seen what Web2 has done to young people um, and, you know, obviously been through child protection training um, and all of that. You can't stop all of it and you shouldn't pretend that you can. Um, but there is a lot that you can do to mitigate um, and reduce risk. Um, and one of the big things for us is it's not a free for all. You know, young people in the early stages of what we build um, will be signing up through their existing um, education and or training provider or the charity that they're coming from so that we do have some kind of real world reference point um, for who these young people are and that they are protected and safe. So it is obviously um, a huge, huge um, part of what we build. Yeah. And, and and of course, there is no monetary transactions um, that are taking place on the platform. Um, you know, it is about learning to use the technology um, and, and the principles that underpin it. Mm. So it's not just that you're training people to do digital marketing and that sort of stuff. You're, you're teaching future uh, young people to be entrepreneurs, to figure out, you know, is their company going down and that sort of stuff. Where else? Uh, give me some sort of ideas of what other things will be on there as well because I, I, I can see people in the audience already are the type of businesses who would use services like this to sort of fish for people or hopefully be, attract them but also <laughs> you know be interested in you know future leaders of the world and that yeah, and that's why, you know, so we're um, obviously 9th and 10th of November. That's why we're, um, that's why we have CareerCon. So CareerCon is um, world's first um, Web3 careers, you know, festival that you might actually want to go to <laughs> um, as a young person. And the way that employers are able to, um, to be there is um, that they're effectively, you know, we treat, we see employers as brands, you know, they need to actually be promoting to young people why they are a good place to work, you know, what yeah. opportunities they offer. Um, so it's much more about, and they're paying for access, you know, to that community. Um, but ultimately, um, it's very, you know, it's very, if people are treated badly at work, um, they will let each other know. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, so it's almost a bit like, you know, there'll, there'll be, you know, employers and brands, you know, on the platform, um, who are actually, you know, we, we, we piloted it, you know, totally outside of Web3, you know, for the last few years in terms of going, um, it's not just all about the pay, you know, people want to know if they have flexible working, you know, remote <laughs> working, you know, what the benefits are, um, you know, what what extra things, you know, that support they get, like mental health, you know, apps and software, you know, so it's really... Um, it's really hard for me to say um, what it will look like over time <laughs> um, because it's very much being built and iterated um, with the ultimate community that we want to use it, which, which is, you know, which is young people. Um, what we offer really is an alternative um, to um, going onto the kind of traditional platforms where the truth is, you know, Paul, we, we've been at this for a long time now. A young person, we've tried it, you know, ourselves, a young person can sit and send their CV off to a hundred different companies on a job board and get a zero rate response in yeah. a day, you know? Um, so, so this is about going, can we make that experience, you know, better by getting, 
in, in, to give you an example, Epic Games will know how many Unreal Engine developers they need over the next three years. Instead of waiting for young people to finish education, tip out, go into this kind of, you know, hiring frenzy, you know, that I call where where always, you know, the kids with the good CVs and the good schools will always get to the top. Um actually they will be staking against courses on the other side of the platform so that there'll be an interaction point between these companies and these young people to go this course is highly rated because i was able to go and get a job you know you're almost creating um an open alumni <laughs> um in many ways you know um where where people will actually be able to see so there is an element of transparency um that occurs not not like a not like a trip advisor or a, a kind of a glass door but kind of going these are the courses that were most successful because they led to employability outcomes, you know, or the mm. ability for a young person to go and work for themselves. Um, and we still think that the creator economy is one of the bigger ones um, in that space. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I would agree with that. It's interesting you mentioned Glassdoor because I think one of the interesting elements of a metaverse or you know, multiverse arena type thing mm. is that somebody could walk into your business they could say we could we've digitally recreated it you're going to meet this person she's the receptionist he's the receptionist you know and that sort of stuff mm. but also they could just as easily swipe right and go and show me the glass door ratings of the last 50 <laughs> employees you know and that sort of thing that's where i i'm really fascinated for web3 to sort of push is a transparent look that will help mm. businesses fix themselves because everything i've learned over this season is that businesses know what the problems are they fix them when they have to mm. and that there are certain um things like people not having chairs that there's an unforgivable 30 percent of people don't have the right chairs at work you know there are things that are infinitely easily fixable but it's a question of time and money for for most people but they're not prioritizing health ever yeah. it seems that's my issue so i love this sort of thing because it it focuses on people's mental health from the off because you're building something that definitely is going to grow but yeah. also it focuses on the back end of people you know having a need you're not just like creating lots more digital marketers for the sake of it which yeah. i see other things yeah. do and like everyone should be a digital marketer you've had no training whatsoever you don't have to do marketing that doesn't mean it's the right job for you and i think that's mm -hmm. why a lot of people are running into mental health issues with things like youtube because it's you, yeah you did it for a few years and maybe that's all it should have been you're mm -hmm. now trying to turn it into a career and that's jarring because you've now got to give even more of yourself away yeah. so again i love this sort of stuff because you are focusing on what needs to be done upskilling yeah. Yeah. um but yeah um Oh, um, I would be remiss. People can find out more about Hundo Careers, um, CareerCon, if they go to hundo.careers forward slash CareerCon22. Um, any other ways that people should find out about um, what you're doing? Where should they follow you? So I'm, yes, LinkedIn um, is my home. Because okay. I'm old, not Gen Z. <laughs> um, uh, I'm I, a millennial. Uh, I love Twitter. What are you doing about? <laughs> I am, I am, I am, I'm still getting used to Twitter. Um, and uh, obviously we're on, you know, for Hundo, it's um, TikTok uh, is our big one. Um, but also, you know, people can register for the newsletter. Um, and um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just generally stay in touch on, uh, on all of our channels. Brilliant. Okie doke. That is a wrap on another episode of season four and season four itself. My thanks to Esther O'Callaghan for a realistic look at what the metaverse is doing and where it's going and just doing something new in challenging times. I, uh, I think she'll need support and I know that you will help her. Um, as Esther said, follow her on Hundo Careers on Twitter. Pop over to hundo.careers to find out more and uh, connect there. Any final words of advice for listeners, Esther? Um, always listen um, and look for the signals um, and just ignore all of the noise. <laughs> oh, I like that. Then you should love Twitter because I'll tell you how to get rid of all the signal and that sort of thing. <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. Okay, mouthwash. We're going to return with season five. Crikey, I can't believe I'm even saying that. Um, we've celebrated a year uh, with this season, so I'm proud to say that we're going from strength to strength. There's going to be new stuff next year coming up. Very interesting as well. Keep up to date with everything over at mouthwashshow.com, and you can also sign up for SMS alerts too. We'll be sending some fun uh, stuff over there as well. Mouthwash is produced by Susan, the big team at Big Tent Media. Use them for all your audio needs. If I can connect you, please drop me a line. I'm a firm believer you don't remember the days, you remember the moments, and I hope this has been one for you. It certainly has for me. I'm Paul Armstrong. This has been Mouthwash. We'll be back again soon for more fresh chat that leaves you feeling more confident. Thanks for listening to Mouthwash. Please share it in a network you trust and check out our sponsors. Season 4 of Mouthwash was sponsored by Workplace by Meta. The easy-to-use features at Workplace help people work together in new ways. To make your place of work a great place to work, visit workplace.com forward slash human. That's workplace.com forward slash human. Have a great day.